Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. Yes, hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Passionate DJ Podcast. This is episode 84. Wow, can you believe it? I'm your host, David Michael, and this is another one of those solo shows, just like last week, and I always like to start out the show saying that, just in case this is the first time you're listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast. Normally, we have any number of co-hosts who hang out with me, and we go banter back and forth about these different topics about DJing, but uh, sometimes we do these, or I do these little one-off single man shows where it's just me and this cup of coffee and you having this one-on-one conversation. So running a podcast like this where you have a weekly release schedule is very difficult when, you know, we all have family lives and careers and different things going on. And so this was one of those times where everybody just had a lot going on all at once, myself included. You know, personally, I'm self-employed and I'm way behind on all kinds of tax stuff and I've just been buried in financial garbage lately, just trying to sort out my finances and my accounting software and get a hold of my CPA and do all that. It's just really terribly boring stuff, and so I'm glad to be spending some time doing what I love to do, which is talk behind this microphone about DJing and the music that I love, but I always like to make sure I give you guys that warning so that you know A, for the new listeners, normally there is a different format to this show, and so if you want to check that out, maybe listen to the episode after this one, or go back a few episodes and get a better idea of how the show normally goes. But I'm glad you're here, and welcome to the show. I also like to give warning to the longtime listeners so that they don't think that I've got Tony, Tripp, and Mo locked in a dungeon somewhere working the passionate DJ sweatshop. So nothing of the sort, everything's all good. And uh, they'll be back next time, so hope all the guys are doing well. In fact, we're going to have a planning meeting tonight and uh, decide what the next awesome episodes are going to be for us to present to you, the listeners of the Passionate DJ Podcast. So stay tuned, because we've got a lot of exciting ideas, a lot of cool stuff going on. We've been talking about this ambassador program that Mr. Mo Dingo is heading up for the Passionate DJ Podcast, and the whole idea is that we're going to curate a list of small just a couple, you know, a handful, maybe 10 or 20 hardcore passionate DJ fans who are really down for what it is, you know, the kind of messages that we like to put across and the kind of, you know, inspirational stories that we like to share and the just really enjoy the fun that we have doing this show. If you're that super duper hardcore fan, this might be something that you're going to be interested in. We're going to be launching this program very soon. And we've been hearing from a few of you already uh, who are interested in maybe getting on board with this ambassador program where we sort of gamify and incentivize different little tiny, just little micro actions that you can do that will really help support the show and uh, make a little contest out of it and have some fun. And so we will be announcing more about that in the not-so-distant future, so stay tuned for more information on that. Also looking forward to talking to Tony here pretty soon, my co-host, about... This Sasha show we keep talking about being thrown here in Dayton, Ohio by his company, Three Dimensional Entertainment. Really excited to be able to be a part of this show, to be playing as a supporting DJ on that lineup, and to be able to support this just amazing night that is happening in our hometown. I know it's really important to everybody involved, and 
you know, there's also a, a super, I keep talking about Sasha because that's who I'm excited about personally, but there's a whole, you know, awesome Mantis and a whole bunch of, uh, I think, Helicopter Showdown, you know, like bass heavy acts going to be going on on the first floor while the other show's going on on the second floor. I mean, it's just this massive event. I know that there's a lot that goes into planning that sort of thing. And so I'm sure that Tony's got a lot to talk about when it comes to that, because that stuff just doesn't come together without a lot of massaging and a lot of effort. And uh, to see the, the experts there and their element to really make an event on that kind of scale happen in a town of this size is pretty exciting to watch. And so we'll be talking a little bit more about the struggles of bringing big names to small towns and also uh, why it's so exciting to be able to do that. Now, one thing that I've personally been working on is I've actually been experimenting with some new gear. I got some new eBay toys in the mail, and so I've been uh, pretty excited to play with that. And I'm not going to go too far into depth onto what I'm doing yet, just because I want to talk about it when the other guys are in the room. But I do have a Pioneer record box ready setup here at home now, just something that I've never had before. You know, I've never had ready access to Pioneer players and the whole record box thing. And this Sasha gig has sort of prompted me into that because I knew that I'd be playing on CDJs. And I've played on CDJs before. I've never had a problem with that. But just, you know, it's since it's something that I've thought about for a long time, it'd be nice to have these around, even though I don't necessarily need them. You know, I'm pretty happy with my Control S8 and uh, turntables combination and, you know, for here at home. But it's really nice to have CDJs around for the simple fact of, you know, gigs like this, when they come around, it's nice to have a prepared sort of library with, you know, cue points and stuff that are built into the track through the record box, record box library so I can take advantage of those features. And since I'm getting access to those sorts of gigs now on occasion, I figured now's the time. And the other side of that coin is it's nice to be able to have people over you know, if I want to have Tony Tripp and Mo over, I can now say, hey, just bring a thumb drive full of tunes, slap it into one of the, you know, Pioneer players, and we're good to go. Everything else is, is ready. You don't even have to bring your laptop. Good to go. Having that flexibility to have, because I have a lot of DJ buddies here locally, and I like to invite them over to play, but sometimes it's a hassle. We have to go through the whole setup. Everybody has to bring their own independent controller and blah, blah, blah. Now, anybody who can play on CDs can just show up and play. So I'm pretty excited to be able to have that kind of setup. One thing that I'm not super stoked about, and longtime listeners of the show know that I'm kind of a tractor guy. Um, I'm maybe a tractor fanboy is a better way to put it. I really enjoy the tractor workflow, and I enjoy using my Control S8. I really appreciate the the way that the... Uh, that Native Instruments likes to integrate their hardware and software together in a way that it just works really well together. It's very intuitive. It's very um, There's a lot of design intent behind that whole thing that just makes it a really smooth kind of operating environment for DJs like me who like to grab little loops and, and, and chop things up in a way that still keeps a very cohesive flow in that kind of 4-4 type of music. You know, Tractor's great at that kind of thing. I've gotten really used to that and to maintaining my digital library and all that kind of stuff in Tractor. After spending some time playing on a Pioneer setup here at home, now that I just have it 
at my house. I really enjoy it. I really do. Like playing on modern DJ uh, pioneer DJ players is really nice. And I've not that I didn't know that, but you know, just taking my own music and being able to just go to my decks and play whenever I want and experiment with that. Now that I've had some time to do that in a casual environment, I really enjoy it. The one thing that I struggle with has to do with you know, you you pay a lot to, to buy into a Pioneer setup, right? And we all know that. The thing that I have trouble with is losing features that, you know, I'm paying more for that equipment and I'm losing features. So, for example, I'm used to having access to four decks. And that's something that is not as easily done now if I'm just mixing on, you know, two CDJs, for example. Now you're talking about adding really expensive, you know, third and fourth deck players or going some other route. So me personally, I'll probably still be using Tractor quite a bit just for personal use and for gigs around town and that playing those types of shows where I can get away with using whatever hardware I want. I'll probably at home now use the CDJs as controllers within Tractor in HID mode, which is, you know, we've talked about before, that's, this is how Tony plays where you just hook up Tractor to your CDJs and slap an X1 on the side to be able to access your effects and different things for Tractor that aren't on your hardware mixer already. And you have kind of the best of all worlds there. I really enjoy mixing that way. You know, it's just like mixing on CDJs, but I have access to all that fancy Tractor stuff when I want it. It's really nice, but losing that easy, ready access to even just a third deck is something that I struggle with and I think is something that is a good segue into a voicemail that we received from Dubmaster Blue Bear. So we're going to go and take this voicemail where he's talking about mixing in multiple decks. Oh, hi guys. This is Dubmaster Blue Bear uh, calling in from uh, Gatineau across the river from the Canadian capital of Ottawa. Um, what you would call a, a basement uh, bedroom producer, slowly, may, you know, working my way up to the living room and maybe outside one day, um, and DJing as a bit of a hobby and as a way to maybe eventually play some stuff live. Uh, question is, uh, what's the advantage of using four decks? You see all these, you know, four deck CDJ setups and controllers that let you control four decks. I just don't understand um, what you what you can do with with uh, four that you couldn't do with uh, two decks because you're basically mixing two songs together. Um, so that's uh, something I would like to know. And uh, yeah, keep up the good work. I love the show, and uh, I'll keep listening to it uh, for sure. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Dubmaster, thanks so much for calling in. This is a great question. And this is, like I said, this is something I kind of struggle with. And I do come from an environment where I occasionally mix on more than two decks, whether that's virtual or otherwise. And so this is something that I can speak to personally. First first of all, when you're talking about the four CDJ setups that you see in large-scale events, I might get in trouble for this, but I can't help but think that a lot of that is just to look impressive. So when you're talking about these just big mass scale events, these big huge mega festivals, um, probably a few of the DJs occasionally will use those decks, probably not a lot of them. 
I think that a lot of that just comes in with you can get away with having that on a standard rider and people like to have the big, badass, amazing-looking setup, and so that comes along with the territory sometimes. So just to put that at the front of this as a disclaimer, I'm not saying that's always the case. Somebody's going to call or write in and, and tear me apart for saying that when there's i mean there are plenty of amazing djs who do cool things on more than two decks so it really comes down to what type of mixing you're doing and what type of music you're doing doing my research here a little bit as i was getting ready to answer this question i checked out your soundcloud page and uh, hopefully you don't mind if i share it it's soundcloud.com forward slash dub master blue bear that's dub d-u-b master blue as in the color blue bear b-e-a-r and uh, you've got a lot of really cool tracks on here, man. It's a uh, really big, synthy type of production. I really appreciate stuff like that. You've got a uh, pretty eclectic mix of stuff, some hip-hop, some drum and bass, some real trancey stuff, big room EDM type sounds. Uh, very cool stuff. So uh, keep up the great work, and I really enjoyed checking it out. One thing that I notice about that music now, I don't know if this speaks to you as a DJ or not, and I don't know if that you have whether you've taken that journey as a DJ or not, or if you're you know you just described yourself as a a bedroom producer. If as a DJ you're playing music that's similar to the stuff that I hear from your productions, so that is to say, lots of melody, lots of big synths, lots of big leads, and and uh, solid song structure stuff. Those kinds of tracks are really busy and would would probably not benefit from, say, four deck mixing, because that would just be a lot of noise, right? And and I think that that's what you're getting at is why would I want all this stuff playing at once? It's too much. There's too much going on, and it's insane. If you have four big room EDM songs all playing different melodies and full on riffs and super hard drums and all that stuff happening at once and you're just slamming those on top of each other with some eq yeah it's just going to sound like a noisy mess where something like three or four deck mixing comes in more handy could be say for somebody who plays just straight up techno or like tribal house you know mostly drums dissonant sounds and maybe the occasional bass line or or you know, looped melody, and in general, it's just lots of relentless beats. That type of stuff is really fun to mix on lots of decks if you know what you're doing or you have a digital setup that kind of handles the hard part for you, that is to say, with a sync button. And not that I'm, I mean that in any kind of negative way. Uh, Richie Houghton, for instance, mixes on four virtual tractor decks, and he grabs loops and has little effects chains set up and i think he's he uses a machine or or ableton or something on the side as well and so he kind of is incorporating this somewhat live element into it and so he's he's got a lot of let's say audio channels to worry about there uh, sometimes five or six of them i think that he mixes on and you can do a lot with that you can do too much with that but when you're mixing minimal techno for example, you can kind of get away with that and you can use multiple sound sources to kind of sculpt and weave your own little multiple hour song out of all these individual tracks. Neither one of them, you know, none of them are doing overly much. Personally, I I usually live somewhere in between. I like having a third deck 
personally. I rarely mix four decks, but I like having a third deck, and there are a few reasons. The first is I like having something kind of just on hand. So to use as a an easy queuing station, for example. So if I'm, say I'm scrolling through tracks and I'm thinking about playing something, but I'm not 100% sure, maybe I don't want to tag that or add it to my playlist or load it in my main decks, my decks A and B, for example. Maybe I'm not prepared to do that yet. Or maybe I'm scrolling through a playlist and I go, man, I remember buying this, but I don't remember what it sounds like. I'm not really sure if this is going to mix with this or not. Or even sometimes I'll go, hey, I bet this track will mix harmonically with this one. I didn't key this track. Maybe I can just listen to it by ear and figure out if these are going to jive or not. So it's nice to have it for that reason. That's more of a luxury thing, though. It's not necessary. You can do that in between mixing, but... I like to mix, sometimes I mix tracks for multiple minutes at a time for the type of music that I play, and so it's nice to have those to go on uninterrupted while I'm previewing tracks and doing other things. But it's really nice to have a third deck to just hold a couple of loops or something so that if I, that I, you know, something I need to use as a tool. So if I just have a third deck that it has like a really nice techno track in it but not a whole lot else going on I might leave that in my third deck for an entire set or for a few minutes or just depending on what I'm doing and grab a really solid loop that will maybe help me get through a long breakdown for example because if I'm playing at a nightclub and I've got the energy going I've got people moving and then I play a song and it's got a breakdown in it that's like a minute and a half long I'm going to lose all that energy and I might not get it back. And so if I see that that's about to happen, or if I feel that happening already, then I have that third deck to just add a little bit of percussion or add a little bit of movement, add a little bit of groove to whatever's happening so that if I'm getting a lot of response from dancers in the room, that I don't have to stop their good time because that seems like just about the worst thing that I could do as a DJ, right? So having that third deck ready with something with a beat at all times is also really helpful. And then the other thing it can be helpful for is for more event-driven type of DJing. So we talked about recently uh, Modingo does these CrossFit events where he plays for people who are working out and it's in a gym environment. And so he does those type of mobile gigs where you have... You have to say something or announce something and then follow a very strict clock, you know, a very strict regimen, and you have to have songs ready to go at very certain times, be ready behind the microphone at very specific times. So it's very event-driven. My equivalent to that is that I've done in the past is fashion shows. Same kind of idea. Constant prompting, constant active DJing that's required, you know, to make sure that things fit a certain cadence and a certain pulse and I react to what's happening in the event at large. If I have a third deck when I'm playing events like that, it's really helpful, you know, for example, in the fashion show example, I like to have a third deck that has more of an like an ambient or chill out kind of track, maybe something beatless, something that's just noise so that people know that something's about to happen. It adds a, just a slight tension in the room, but it, it's not a beat. It's not anything that you know the models are going to walk to. 
it's just something so that the audience who's sitting down and watching the show knows that things are about to happen. Just a little bit of background strings or noise or something. I like having that in a third deck so that I can bring that in and out at will without interrupting my maybe more quick mixing style that I'm doing with those with the actual catwalk tracks that I'm playing. So it kind of lets me do that without interrupting my flow. So there is some utility to utility to having more than two decks. In general though, you're absolutely right. Most people don't need it. It's either a luxury or it's something that you can do to mix more minimalist music on top of each other to kind of weave a story together through, you know, lots of different sound sources, but no, there's not really any huge reason to go and invest in, for example, four CDJ 2000 Nexus 2s and spend your life savings on a DJ setup. I mean, it does get pretty crazy. So if you want to mix in four decks, the obvious choice is to go with one of the you know many all-in-one four-deck controllers that exist in the market today. For me, that's the Control S8 really great option for tractor users because it still lets me use my timecode records if I want to. Uh, I can still hook up CDJs to it or external sources. It lets me mix in any of the ways that I want to. And so that's been the option for me. Uh, Some people like to have jog wheels still if they, you know, if they don't have a set of decks. And so in that case, maybe the Control S4, which is the same kind of idea, just instead of screens, it has jog wheels. Serato users have a lot of different options too. So it's one of those things, if you if you don't feel like you have a reason to use four decks, then you probably don't have a reason to use four decks. But I thank you so much for the question. It was a great one, and I hope that I was able to answer that for you adequately. And like I said, this is something that I'm having trouble with as I, I won't say transition, but as I've been using a Pioneer Nexus setup in preparation for this gig that I'm about to play in a month or so, Actually, it's only a few weeks away. Yikes. But it's one of those things that I just wanted to be really prepared for, but I do find myself going, man, I could almost switch to an all-hardware setup, no laptop at all, no tractor, if it wasn't just for that easy access to a third deck to throw some loops or a remix deck or a stems deck or something into to use as a tool. It really, that just works very well into my DJing workflow. And so probably I'm going to land somewhere in the middle and uh, I've been thinking about selling my Control S8 and getting a pair of Control D2s, which is kind of like taking the, the decks in the screen section and slicing it off the side and putting it on either side of a real mixer. That might be my sort of middle ground because that will let me do everything that I want at home. And basically it makes me go full modular. It's really the only big difference. And so those are my thoughts on more than two deck mixing i hope that that it was helpful and uh, keep up the great work you've got some cool music man and today i want to talk about avoiding jaded dj syndrome so what i'm talking about is that just feeling of burnout do you know what i mean like that feeling of ah, this is supposed to be something i love but i just can't bring myself to do it or It just doesn't bring me the same excitement that it used to. Maybe you don't really know what's going on. You just know that you're not as excited about being a DJ as you once were. You know, last week's episode, we talked about how to know if DJing is for you. So that was 
kind of geared more towards beginner DJs or DJs or people who are thinking of becoming DJs, this is sort of the opposite end of that. Maybe you're a DJ who's been doing this for longer than I have. You know, if you've been a DJ for 25 years, maybe it just doesn't have the same shine for you. Or, and maybe, you know, for some people, maybe they've just, you know, grown out of it or whatever. They don't just find it that interesting or it was never that interesting in the first place. Hey, that's perfectly fine. DJing's not for everybody. If you're the kind of person who has been doing this for a long time and it has historically fulfilled some piece of you and you don't, that's missing now and you want it back then this is definitely an episode that you're going to want to pay attention to. So where I want to start is with six warning signs that you might be a jaded DJ. I'm pulling this information straight from don'tkillmavibe.com. This is from our friend Kilma, who is a frequent contributor to the Passionate DJ podcast and who is currently busy raising her brand new baby. So she um, has her hands full, I'm sure. So um, I hope all is well, Kilman. I hope you don't mind me reading some of your one of your posts from last year on April 4th where you talk about this very topic. And I hope all is going well with you if you're listening, Kilma, and we'd love to have you back on the show soon. So, hey, shout out. <laughs> this is a great list of, and I'll link to it in the show notes, a great list of ways that you might be able to tell if you fall under this category of jaded DJ. Now, one is that happy DJs irritate you. So if you see other people having a good time with this and enjoying it, and that just inexplicably upsets you or irritates you or annoys you, maybe maybe you haven't even noticed that that's what's happening. But when you see other people enjoying this craft that you've put a lot of time into, somebody just being nice and having a smile on while they do it, if that makes your skin crawl, if that bothers you, there might be something wrong. And number two, similarly, you're unable to be happy for other DJs, even if it's actually a dear friend of yours. If you're unable to be happy for, I, you know, I had a situation like this once where, and this actually caused a bit of a, uh, of a rift between me and this person. I had received some exciting, <laughs> what I thought was exciting news at the time, which is that I was going to be getting a, a small a release a small EP on a digital label and I mean this is years ago probably eight years ago and I was pretty excited about that and so I went to one of my buddies who happened to be a DJ and I, I told this person thinking that they would be excited and, and engaged in that you know excitement with me and and so I told them hey man I got this thing going on it's pretty cool I uh, I asked if I could do my own artwork they let me do it and it turned out the, the whole thing was uh, – it didn't go anywhere. The label was super small time, and I had no idea what I was doing, and the music wasn't super great either. I, it was a learning experience, to say the least. But when I told this news that I found to be exciting to this person, I thought that they would be happy for me, and it turned out that they – it just upset them. It just made them mad, and I had no idea, and – it, it took months for that to come back around to me, that, that it upset that person. And they eventually came back and apologized. And they're like, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I don't know what that was about. You know, it's, it's a situation where I could tell that something was, was wrong, that they weren't having a good time doing what they were doing. And it just kind of got projected onto me. And, and it's, 
it's hard not to take something like that personally because we don't have the context for that. We just say, wow, you know, what's, what's this person's deal? If it's just impossible for you to be happy for other people who are enjoying this music or this quote-unquote scene, maybe that's another sign that something is not right. Number three, if you find faults in everything that dance music has to offer, you know, if you just can't help but put it down. And this this one's pretty common in the dance music scene because we all get into it, not all of us, but a lot of us get into electronic music at a, at a younger age, whether, you know, teenage years, perhaps. And so there's always some some gateway drug music that got us into it, right? For me, it was trance. Um, for you know other people's different types of music. And then over time, when you've been into it for 10 or 15 years, your tastes evolve and change. And usually you have a sweet spot for whatever brought you, know, brought you into this whole thing. And usually you have some guilty pleasures, but our tastes change and mature over time. When it becomes just a constant, you know, if, you've, if you, you just find yourself saying over and over again, man, they just don't make this music like they used to man, I just can't enjoy this anymore, man, the scene just isn't the same anymore, this isn't like it was in the rave days, or whatever it is, whatever your go-to excuse is. And I'm not saying it's, it's not okay to have those feelings, but at the same time, it's definitely a sign that you might be jaded, you might just be kind of over it. Maybe something else is really bothering you if you can't manage to find good music, good DJs in 2017. I mean, it's really... The, the options are vast now for music discovery. It's a DJ's dream. DJs 10 or 15 years ago would be amazed to know the, the level of access to music and media that we have these days. If you can't find good music now of all times, that's not the music industry's fault, and it's not the scene's fault, and it's not DJ other DJ's fault. There is so much good music being put out. Now, I don't care what kind of music you listen to. There's something good in that style being put out right now. You just have to find it, and you have to care enough to find it. Number four, if you're subconsciously jealous of other DJs. Some may fully deserve the success they are gaining, but a part of you always finds the need to point out how they could be more to your standards. This is something that people tend to project as well because not everybody has the same goals with DJing, for one thing. Some of us really put this, the pursuit of a DJ career at the forefront and trying to really make a career out of it or a, uh, an income or a business or whatever the case is you know, with, with you. It's easy to encase everything in our own little bubble, right? And in our own little context, which is why I always try to specify when we're behind the mic, we're involved in a local quote-unquote underground dance music scene that's very influenced by the old rave days and that sort of thing. And so it's something that I always, I always try to point out that context. Hey, we're talking about a nightclub or we're talking about a, a rave type scenario when we're talking about that stuff because not everybody listening to Passionate DJ Podcast has that same exact background. We have a lot of mobile wedding DJs. We have a radio DJs, bedroom DJs, you know, online streaming radio DJs. We have all different types, right? And so it's important to contextualize... Con- Boy, let me try that again. It's important to contextualize that when we're talking about that in this conversation. But 
when we take our own personal standards and our own personal scenario, whatever we're in, and we project that onto other people, that's not always fair. You know what I mean? Not everybody's pursuing DJing to the same level that we are. Some people are hustlers and they're going to really go after it. And along with that comes self-promotion. It has to. If you see self-promotion or if you receive an event invite or if people bring up local shows that have occurred and you just have negative feelings about it or you feel jealous or you just feel something that's not right, it might be worth investigating internally. Is this because I have a jealousy problem? If you have a jealousy problem, then that has to be fixed right off the bat because there's always going to be somebody out there who's some number of steps ahead of us and who has gotten there with less work than we have put in. That's always going to be a thing. There's always going to be somebody who's gotten ahead because of who they know and they got some kind of break that made them skip a couple of steps, but that doesn't mean that they had any less opportunity than the rest of us. They might have been able to put something in front of somebody who can help you make things happen. But eventually, we all find those connections if we're willing to hustle enough. And if you haven't put in that time, but you feel yourself getting upset at younger, newer DJs who are making moves and you're not, you know, that's not their fault. And that's something that you shouldn't really get upset at them for. So that could also be a sign that you're a jaded DJ. Number five, you'd rather blame other DJs than change. You easily spend hours online or with friends complaining about things you dislike about the scene, but heaven forbid you get out there and make any changes, let alone acknowledge your faults. The blame game is strong with any local music scene. You have to be willing to sort of operate in that environment in order to build a career or a sustainable following. And then number six, you'd rather hate other DJs than look at your own career. You look critically at those around you, avoiding any responsibility on your part. Could you make those changes? Sure, but what about all the other people around me? So, those are six warning signs that you might be a jaded DJ. And, you know, if you feel like you might be just kind of over it, just kind of, eh, I wish that this still was exciting for me, but it's not. I'm sorry to hear that, because this is something that's really important to me, and so... If I ever feel this way, hopefully I can come back to this episode and figure out what I can do about it because I know that personally, being a passionate DJ, I use my music as personal therapy. And I say that all the time. You know, I have my decks set up in an area which is easily accessible to me, but is also kind of away from all the activity, uh, the household activity. And I can float in and out of there whenever I want. And it's set up that way so that I can just go in there and start mixing whenever I need to. You know, not every time that I'm mixing music together am I working on a particular project or playing for an audience. Sometimes it's just for me. Sometimes it's just my own personal, you know, if I've had a stressful day, I've got a lot of thoughts in my head. If I have something negative or upsetting has happened to me, music has always been there for me. And I like being able to both hear music that will uplift me or make me feel better or just let me get lost for a while and B, to have some influence on what that music is as it's happening and to get sort of lost in that moment 
when I'm just mixing for myself. And if you don't have that and you used to, um, that's really sad and that's something that I would really like to help with because I know how important that is to me. And so if you feel like you might be a jaded DJ, the first thing that you want to do is to know your limits and set realistic goals. Are How high are you shooting here? Are you only going to be happy if you become a superstar with no effort, right? <laughs> Because if, you've, if that's how you set goals for yourself, if that's how you measure personal growth and success, then it's never going to be enough. So it's all about small wins, right? You know, maybe the idea isn't, hey, I, I need to become the super mega prolific famous DJ or else I quit. Maybe it's small goals like get five people to opt into my email list or you know get one new person to come to my next show or something like that if you do those little small wins then every time you play a show or promote yourself or do something every time you get one of those small wins then it's like oh hey yeah bonus you know it's just a good thing that happened whereas if your measuring stick is something on a scale that you can't even digest right now, then it's just going to be eternal unhappiness. So know your limits and set realistic goals, but set goals. That's one thing that a lot of DJs skip or a lot of musicians, producers, artists, they don't set those goals. And if you set those little goals then and you get those little small wins along the way, that stuff adds up really quickly. It adds up a lot more quickly than sitting around wondering about when you're going to take on one of your huge goals if you just do these small ones along the way it adds up and the next thing you know you've made huge amounts of progress instead of just sitting around and wondering when you're going to make progress so i think this is really important about knowing your limits and setting realistic goals number two find your groove and a workflow that works for you this is something that i was kind of speaking to about the you know this new equipment that i've been playing with I'm trying to find a workflow that fits into not just for my my DJing workflow but for my lifestyle you know I've decided that it would be convenient for me to have easy access for other DJs to come over and play music with no hurdles no setup time just come over slap a USB stick in and go it would be handy for me to be able to stay within Tractor because sometimes I like to do nerdy tractory things on three and four decks. I don't really feel like buying my way into doing that with a Pioneer setup because that's ludicrous. <laughs> I like mixing records on occasion, you know, real vinyl, and I occasionally like to mix on, um, you know, with timecode, DVS. And so I've pieced together a setup that works for me and that makes me enjoy DJing no matter how I want to approach it. Not everybody, in fact, most people don't need or want that level of flexibility. I, I like to mix all kinds of different ways. I like to, uh, you know, I'm super into DJing and DJ culture and checking things out and it's helpful for passionate DJ and, and I just like mixing different ways and being well-rounded about that stuff. Most people will find whatever their setup is and they will just super duper like hone in on that, which is possibly the more reasonable setup. I'm just trying to have a little bit of everything, have my cake and eat it too, right? But you might find that two CDJs and a two-channel mixer is perfect for you or something like a Control S8 or a Newmark NS, uh, NS7 you know, with rotating platter, motorized platters. Maybe that 
floats your boat. We all find our own workflow when it comes to how we operate in the booth. Finding that groove and that workflow that works for you as a DJ and fits into your life. Same thing with how you promote yourself and the amount of gigs that you play. This kind of comes along with setting realistic goals. You know, you might, maybe you're, you know, if you're like me, you have a family and you can't, you can't be out five or seven nights a week playing gigs, but I can play two or four in a month or maybe five if I throw in a daytime gig or something like that and not really have my home life suffer, right? So maybe that's the cadence that I've found that works for me. Maybe you're overdoing it. I mean, that that's really a great way to become burnt out and to become jaded over time. If you're just, you know, if you have a DJ residency and you play every night of the week and you've done it for 10 years, maybe it gets old because especially because most gigs like that don't give you a lot of wiggle room to express yourself creatively. They're mostly, you're going to be playing popular music. You're probably playing the same stuff night after night. Not everybody's down with that and that will wear on you. So find the groove and that workflow that works for you, but also play the type of gigs that will keep you happy. The third thing is directly and honestly identify your personal hurdles. What is it that holds you back? Be honest about what that is. For me personally, um, I'll give an example. One of my hurdles is that I tend to be I tend to be a yes man. I try to be a people pleaser and I shy away from confrontation. And sometimes, especially when you're working in a nightclub environment or something like that, you need to have um, solid footing. You need to be stern and firm. And I don't, that's just not in my personality type. And so that's why I don't, for example, I don't work the door at a lot of events because if somebody comes at me and, you know, wants to complain about the cover price or something or wants to work a deal or something, I'm just not the best person to handle that scenario. I, I can do it and I'm not afraid of doing it. I just know that from a business perspective, there are better people for that job than me, right? So that's something that I've dealt with. It's also, you know, it's it's easy for me to get walked on if you're that personality type. And so it's something that I have to be consciously aware of. This is something it's not necessarily easy for me to say to all of you listeners because that's a negative trait about me. You know, it's that I uh, I, I can be wishy-washy. I can crumble. You know, I, I operate well under pressure, but I don't operate well under confrontation. But I say that just to show you that personally that's something that I've identified as a hurdle. That doesn't mean that it shut me down and that I can't proceed or do things. It just means that I've identified that so that I can teach myself how to operate in that way and either uh, quote-unquote man up and get over it when I need to or to uh, how to avoid situations which will uh, where that will be a problem. So directly and honestly identify whatever your personal hurdles are. The next thing you have to do is look after yourself and look after your body. If you're not taking care of yourself and you're just feeling kind of blah in general then of course you're not going to start you're not really going to enjoy your everyday grind and anything that you do with your day this is something that DJs have to be this is kind of general life advice but it's important for DJs to keep in mind because what are we talking about events where people are dancing and drinking a lot people who are involved in the rave scene or the underground dance music scene or house parties there could be drugs involved there could be you know all that kind of stuff 
There could be staying up late and partying or doing this multiple nights in a row. There are a lot of reasons that DJs should be very health conscious. That's not to say anything negative. I mean, it's it's not all for partying type of reasons. Um, for example, my co-host Mo, who does the CrossFit gigs that we talked about earlier, when I went and visited him at his show or at his gig, he had a small packet of like, uh, it was like a natural peanut butter blend, some kind of thing. And he told me that he keeps it around. He brings it to his gigs because the type of diet that he's on, you know, he eats in smaller meals in increments. And if he doesn't stay on schedule, you know, for example, at a large, uh, at a uh, longer gig, then he kind of feels himself crashing and losing energy. And so he keeps that something with a little bit of sugar, a little bit of protein in it, keeps that with him in case he feels like he might start crashing. And at least that's enough to get him by until he can eat a proper meal. And let me tell you, just as a side note, Mr. Mo Dingo knows how to prepare a killer meal. He's mean with that smoker. <laughs> but it's just something that, uh, you know, something that when I saw him do that, I was like, wow, it's cool that he was prepared enough to keep this this little packet of peanut butter spread in his bag because he wanted to make sure that he didn't get to a situation where he got hangry, as my wife says, so <laughs> is able to keep on going and make sure that his body has something to run on. Definitely look after yourself and your body, and if you are in a situation where you're a DJ and you're putting yourself in scenarios constantly where you're not taking care of yourself, you're drinking too much, uh, doing drugs, staying up too late, multiple nights in a row, or whatever it is, if you're doing that to yourself, please just take a step back and see if that is contributing to this feeling of being jaded towards the scene or towards the music or towards DJing. Because it could be that you're just tired, that you're just wearing yourself out in general. And if DJing is the source of that, then yeah, you might learn to resent it a little bit. Speaking of that, take breaks. Take breaks that are a day long. Take breaks that are weeks or months long if you need to. It's okay. DJing's going to be here for you when you get back. It's okay to, if you're not feeling it, why, unless it's your bread and butter, unless you're paying your bills with DJ gigs, you know, and this might be the case for some of you business owners or residents, if you're just doing this for personal fulfillment, if it's not fulfilling, then stop doing it for a while. It, you might just literally be burnt out on it, and if you take a week off, if you take two years off, whatever it is that takes that makes you miss it again, maybe there will be a rejuvenated spirit and, and a renewed passion for this whole thing. You don't have to force it. Gladly, I mean, Passionate DJ Podcast is here for you. <laughs> In the meantime, you continue listening to us. You know, maybe you'll hear something inspiring that will make you interested in throwing on that next piece of wax. And if not, you know, we do plenty of episodes that are just for fun in between all our informational ones. And so, you know, you can still participate. You can still feel like you're part of the scene, even if you're taking a little break. That's why we're building this little community so that we can help lift each other up and get each other through these, you know, not so awesome periods where we feel like maybe DJing isn't a fulfilling pursuit. If any of you are feeling that way, like I said, that would makes me really sad to think that you know, I like I said in the last episode, in episode 83, I would miss this if it were gone from my life. And so if you've gotten to a point where you used to feel that way and now you don't, 
that's the same as losing it, right? Take breaks if you need to. If you just determine that you just burn out on it, it's okay. It's not going anywhere. My other tip is to build strong relationships. You know, we talked about the community aspect. If you have some, you, if you have really good friends who are also interested in DJing or the scene or electronic music or whatever it is that brings you to this whole thing, if you have that strong network of close people, then it's always kind of fun. At least it is for me. I have a lot of DJ buddies. You know, I've got Tony Tripp and Mo here that share the show with me. One of my very best friends is quote-unquote retired DJ, as he describes it, um, but he still comes over and, and plays music with me on occasion and is still interested in the music, and he brings... Actually, I'm trying to get him on the show, so we're going to see if he can come out of the woodwork and talk about some old progressive house music, but, you know, I I always have these... DJ buddies around and I'm always talking about DJing and I I found enough open-minded DJs who share similar views to me that I can have interesting conversations about it all the time and it's it's always fun for me to talk about you know I, I never have one of the guys come over to my house and start saying hey did you see that new controller that uh Pioneer came out with did you see that new release? Oh god, I'm so tired. I'm so tired talking about DJing. You know, I never feel that way. It's always interesting. It's the same thing with my car buddies. You know, I have a car tinkering hobby on the side. I never get tired of talking about car stuff with my car buddies. Might drive my wife nuts, but talking to them directly, I never get tired of that because I'm so into it and they're so into it and we can banter back and forth. Some of you might, maybe you're lone wolves on this. Maybe you don't know any other DJs or producers or event promoters or anything. If that's the case for you, welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. Hit that subscribe button and we will be your community. We would love for you to continue to seek inspiration and encouragement through the Passionate DJ Podcast and through the articles on PassionateDJ.com. Send in voicemails. Email any of us. You can email David, Tony, Trip, or Mo at passionatedj.com if you are having any kind of struggles or if you just want to say hi. But our most preferred way is for you to go to passionatedj.com and click the little tab that says send a voicemail. We would love to hear your voices and answer your questions on the show just like we did for Dubmaster Blue Bear today. We don't always dedicate an entire show to answering a question, but we would love to hear from you. And even if you don't have a question, if you just want to tell us what the Passionate DJ podcast means to you, we would love to hear it. We love messages like that. Definitely don't be a stranger. On that note, I wanted to leave you with one final suggestion for avoiding jaded DJ syndrome, and that is to pivot, to evolve, to try something new. If it's not doing it for you anymore why keep doing it? At least, why keep doing it in the same way that you've been doing it and has been making you unhappy? Maybe you just need a new project. Maybe, you know, as a DJ producer, maybe you need to work on a new album, or maybe you need to work on a new mix series, or maybe you want to start building a live stream audience, or hell, maybe you just want to get your own personal DJ logo and branding sorted out. Anything that you can get excited about, Maybe you just need a project. Maybe you just need to change your sound. You know, maybe you're tired of playing techno. Maybe you've been playing techno for 10 years and you want to try something new. 
or maybe you've been a drum and bass DJ for a number of years and you just haven't been getting trash in your city and you want to try something new. There's nothing that says you can't. And if you're on if you're kind of on the edge and on the verge of giving up anyway because you're jaded about this whole thing, then the only thing I would say is what do you have to lose? If there's something about DJing or about music that you've always sort of fantasized about doing or had in the back of your head that you want to do, but you've always avoided it because you didn't have the time or it was against your personal brand or whatever the reason is, if you're to the point where it's not doing it for you anymore and you don't have anything to lose, then maybe now's the time for you to find a new thing to work on, change up your sound, start a new project, do something that gets you excited about this whole thing again because music is just so important to me and I know it's so important to so many of you and if it fulfills even half of what it does for me, for anyone in our listening audience, then I would be honored to have this show help you get that back because everybody should be able to enjoy the gift of music Everybody should be able to express themselves artistically if they really feel the desire and the need to do so. So I suggest that you do that and keep on seeking that inspiration, build those relationships, take care of yourself, drive like you know each other, and we'll see you next time on the Passionate DJ Podcast. Thank you guys so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionatedj or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning.